1: When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420, The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.
0: Good afternoon, everybody. Beautiful day out there. Let's uh, start thinking positively. Enemy, uh, let's well as uh, fear, has two meanings: forget everything and run, or face everything and rise. The choice is yours. That was Zig Ziglar. I had the opportunity to see him live one time, long time ago. Phenomenal speaker. I fear that today the technology will surpass our human interactions. The world will have a generation of idiots. Albert Einstein. Our greatest fear should not be the, fa- the failure but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. (laughs) And then there's only one thing that makes a dream impossible to achieve. The fear of failure. There we go, folks. You know, uh, as I stay constantly on the show, if you want any of the materials we talk about, we talked about dividend growth. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. Uh, Prime income list, uh, our top ideas, uh, our top all-cap ideas. That means Large cap, mid cap, and small cap ideas. Our top small cap ideas. Our ADR list, which is starting to get interesting. I've noticed some of the foreign drug companies are starting to make a move, and they have great dividends. Uh, and they're all on our list, by the way. Uh, also, our prime income list. For you, you uh, we're going to talk about a little bit about income today. For those of you, you know, bonds are kind of scary right now. They're at the lowest yield ever, and uh, you know, if inflation picks up. Bonds don't do well. They're a deflationary asset. Okay, so just remember that. So the prime income list is a way of getting income with the opportunity for upside. Uh, And and you know the one thing about the prime income list is it yields like four and a quarter. Uh, So there is an opportunity uh, for those dividends to go up. Number one, number two, it's paying better than most bond funds. And the bond funds that are paying better are usually using leverage. Be careful of that. You know, uh, U.S. producers in 2020 turned out over uh, out nearly 407 billion square feet of corrugated product. You know, I, uh, uh, an Amazon truck just went by, by the way, <laughs> uh, from dot-com delivery boxes to watermelon crates, according to uh, Fiber Box Association. The year-over-year rise was 3.4%. That's an equivalent of 477 square miles of additional corrugated board. You know, talk about a uh, environmental disaster. <laughs> we got to figure out how to recycle that stuff. The median household net worth in the U.S. is one hundred twenty-one thousand dollars, but it almost doubled that for those in the late fifties and sixties. Okay, so it's two hundred twelve. So, if you're doing better than that, you're doing a lot better than that, probably. Uh, you know, I have found that the uh, a lot of people listen to the show. Their net worth is much, much higher. You know, I, I, that's one of the things I ask when uh, when things are gone, and and most of the high flyers, their net worth is well over a million dollars, million two, by the way. Ketchup is the most consumed table sauce at U.S. restaurants, uh, with around three hundred thousand tons sold to food service last year, according to research uh, firm Euromonitor. Even more is eaten at home. And the pandemic helped push that sales up. I can think of a really good stock to buy (laughs) uh, based on that. And uh, I'll just leave it at that. Um, You know, there's uh, uh, a lot of things that you could probably do uh, uh, with ketchup. And uh, I'm not a big fan of ketchup, so I'm just going to leave it at that. You know, uh, this is a live show. So if you want to, um, call in. The number here is 216 901 0945. That's 216 901 0945. All right. So if you have any questions, you know, I, I watched a podcast this week uh, from Lori Calcevina, Calbasina. I'll get her name right eventually. She's our head strategist and she's quite good. She's been on, she's on CBN, uh, CNBC quite a bit and has been on Fox a couple of times. And, you know, one of the things that she discusses is the earnings cycle. And I think the the main point that you get out of the podcast, is what does this cycle mean for stock prices going forward? And she said the big thing to know, she said, while 2021 S&P earnings per share is tracking better than expected now. We think expectations for decelerating earnings growth in the back half of 2021 are a major hurdle for the stock market and can help make a case for a short-term pullback or volatility in U.S. markets ahead. You notice some companies are blowing the cover off the ball and selling off. Now, one of two things is happening. Either people have anticipated those earnings, and they weren't a surprise, or they're worried about the next quarter or the quarter after that. Remember, the stock market thinks six months ahead. Now, Uh, I was listening to Tom Porcelli this week, who's our chief economist, and he's he's on the TV quite a bit, too. But uh, and, you know, he had something and I thought it was I'm just going to read it because I think it's more important the way he says it. While we can appreciate that Powell, as in Fed chair, finds himself in a tough spot with the economic narrative shifting right in front of him. The problem is he's going to have to start thinking about talking about what happens next. And, and so what he's saying is the strong growth and the building inflation pressures beyond simple base effects should be, a, should be a, not a surprise to anybody at this point. So when Powell uses weak rationale for staying the course, he just sounds like a person struggling to defend a very stale call, OK? And look, uh, there's two different types of in- inflation. There's co- uh, cost push or cost pull, I should say. Or employment uh, push, and if it gets to be both of them, it could be a big, big problem. So, uh, now what Tom was talking about was JOLTS, which is a service, uh, you know, uh, sector job openings. I mean, the job openings are up to like six. You know, uh, well, they're getting pretty close to the old high back we, we saw back in 2019, 2018, when the Fed was talking about raising rates. Okay, so. Uh, and then if you look at the University of Michigan expected inflation rate next year, it's up there. I mean, it's very, very much up there. So it's something to think about. You know, and I, I keep um, I mean, there's been great discussions about the dollar. And, uh, you know, we've I've read several uh, Alan Robinson this week, who's our guy that does our ADR portfolio. He's an Englishman. He's, he's been around the block. He knows what he's doing. Believe me, he's a bright guy. Uh, I've listened to him numerous times. He had a big thing on the dollar. The question is, is is it a bottoming trend or a bearish continuation of what's been going on the last couple of years? And there's some dollar bulls out there and uh, there's some dollar bears and and, and and it's pretty important because if the dollar goes down, commodities are gonna go up. Okay, so it's inflationary based on the fact that the dollar you know, most commodities are paid for with dollars. So if it takes more dollars, commodity prices go up. So, you know, if it's, if it's a strong dollar, then you can expect growth stocks to continue. So look, at the recent price action in, in the markets looks like a resumption of what we saw at the end of the fourth quarter. And stocks are reaching new historic highs. Oil prices are high. The dollar is down. Emerging market currencies are up. And foreign exchange volatility is down. So two factors are driving these short-term bearish moves, I think, and that's the vaccine catch-up in Europe. And a dovish Federal Reserve at home, so you know the the dollar rallied because European economy faced uh, increased lockdown pressure, and and, you know there's some other uh, countries like Brazil and India that have a real problem. So uh, the the question is, should you play both sides, or can you? There's ways of playing both sides. Let's put it that way. And I think you have to, you know, look at the different sectors. Now I know those sectors. You'd have to (laughs) you have to ask the question. So we'll leave it at that. you know, uh, let me. OK, so a couple things. Uh, we've seen a, a growth surge in a country that I don't think anybody was expecting, uh, but it was the UK. And, and, you know, they have a vaccine program that's racing far ahead of, of most everybody. And they've got an acceler- accelerating manufacture activity. Uh, so, it, you know, there's there's some names in the UK that are looking fairly good. Uh, but their UK, uh, you know, the COVID there over there is reaching new lows, and uh, if you're looking at the the European goods exports, they're they're spiked up over in uh, uh, UK. So that could be that could be interesting. And it could have some good portfolio implications. So you might want to look to the UK. Uh, I've got some ideas, but I'm not going to mention them to you. <laughs> That's for you to find out, uh, and we'll take it from there. Now. There's two things. There's two areas I think you got to start to take a look at. Now these are out of the way ideas, but uh, they're brilliant by our people. You know, life sciences. uh, The biotech boom is driving lab, lab real estate prices up drastically. Okay, so the life science boom is in certain areas, and those are areas where you want to be if you're in real estate investment trusts. Now, what is a real estate investment trust? It's simply a portfolio of real estate that trades on the New York Stock Exchange. And what they have to do is pay you 80% of their cash flow in a dividend, or they don't qualify as a real estate investment trust anymore. So they tend to raise their dividends in good times. And look, I, we have a great report out that, Del, you know, it dives into the, the uh, science real estate space, and there's a, an attractive demand, and, and most people want to be in the same area. So the life science industry is, is really critical to root, reduce healthcare costs and enhance quality of life and protect against pandemics, et cetera, okay? We, you know, this we're in a perfect example of that. And we have technological advancements should help accelerate the pace of drug development, which is more important. And, and the life sciences prefer to reside in top-cluster markets, which foster greater innovation. All right. So if we can find real estate investment trusts that are involved in this area, I think we'll do better. So for you people out there that are looking for a dividend, looking for something to help you pay the bills, this might be something for you. I think I can send this report out. So if you'd like it, once again, you go to WHK1420, go to local podcast, down to Tim Hayes. It goes directly to my webpage. You can look for the insights, the dividend growth portfolio, the prime income list, the top ideas, the ADR list, and you can get this life sciences real estate product. I think it's a really good idea for you who retired. I was just reading it this week, so I'll probably be talking to my clients about it this you know, shortly. The other area, you know, we talked about as the beginning of the year, oil. And nobody believed us. But oil was up, traded up 13% last week. But it was one specific area of the oil, and that's the exploration and production area. Isn't that interesting? And you know what? It's the small caps that beat the large caps. And by the way, they did better than their natural gas peers, which only traded up 6% for the week. So look, one of the things that's happening. In the oil area, not only is the price gone nuts thanks to Mr. Biden, I mean the fact that he, you know, he he went all electric is great. However, uh, you know he's, he's also putting a kibosh on pipelines, so phew, the price goes up. But what's happening is that the the operating costs could could dampen you know some of this, but. The companies now are concentrating on the free cash flow expectations that people have been looking for. All right, but there's some really strong price realization from the impact of the winter storm Uri, if you may recall that. It acted as a tailwind rather than a headwind. Uh, but yeah, I think you got to stay disciplined in this area. And and uh, you know we just added a stock that I own. Okay, and I'm not going to tell you what it is to our best ideas list for small caps. It's right in the Permian Basin, and I wouldn't be surprised if it gets acquired. But, uh, you know, we have some names out there that look really, really good in the in the valuation quadrant area. So, uh, you know, if you want, uh, give me a call. Uh, my number's on the – by the way, you go to WHK 1420 AM and go to my webpage. My number's all over it. Just also contact me, email me. I would h- highly recommend uh, – by the way, we're going to have Bob Schleimer – or Rob Schleimer, I'm sorry – who's our technician take over for Bob Dickey soon. I just, I the, the timing's hard at this point. The other thing is uh, under the insight, we got a couple dynamite articles this week under insight tab. So make sure you take a look at that, but my phone number all over the place. So if you want a cup of coffee, uh, I've, I've had my shots. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, you know, I, I was looking at the S and P and it, it was kind of pausing at resistance, but we keep hitting new highs. But we're hitting new highs with the bottom end of the S and P 500, not the big capitalization stocks, which is interesting. So uh, maybe it's broadening out a little bit. I don't know, but um, uh, small caps. You know, I can't tell if it's a topping pattern or just a, a you know a consolidation. Uh, you know, and and last week we had a, a not last week the week before we had a bounce, so that was encouraging, but. I think the growth ETFs are showing some early signs of bottoming after the correction in February, so that's good, too. But look, I, um, the S&P, uh, the daily momentum continues to unwind, and it's been very overbought, so it'd be interesting to see if it keeps going higher. But we're right at resistance, the, the top end of the trend line. So either we're, we're starting to make a new channel up, or we're probably going to you know, consolidate. and. The problem with consolidations or, or corrections is they can be a time correction, meaning they go sideways. I mean that's what the Fang stocks are doing right now, with the exception of two. They're all going sideways, okay? Which means they're digesting the earnings, okay? So they got they got ahead of themselves, but they're not going down. They're going sideways. So markets can do that. So we could go sideways for six eight months, uh, you know, or we could go down. I'm not sure which yet, but, um, you know. So I think, um, you know, the the Russell's a perfect example. We're not really going down. We're having these, you know, these brief corrections and then popping back up. So I do like the relative performance for the S&P versus the S&P, uh, you know, in April. Uh, it, it broke its downtrend line. So that's a, that's a pretty important thing. And um, I was looking at some other ETFs, but, uh, you know, I would say there's three areas that really make are interesting to me, and that's cloud computing, genomics and biotech. You know They've been going sideways for some time. And, and some of the solar and heat, uh, you know, the green stocks, because uh, they beat them up. Maybe now's the time to buy them. Hey, we'll be right back. This is the Smart Investor Show. Remember, if you've got a question, 216-901-0945. 216-901-0945. Stay tuned. Okay, we're back. Uh, if you just tuned in to the Smart Investor Show, and uh, you know, I, I noticed that the uh, Barrons put out last week uh, that you can retire on dividends, which we've been saying on this show for a long time. As a matter of fact, with with the you know for a while there, almost two years, the dividend yield on the S and P five hundred was higher than the yield on the ten year treasury. <laughs> And that was a pretty good deal. But I think there's a lot of still a really good stocks out there that raise their dividend every year, 6 7%. So if inflation stays at 2%, you're winning, okay? Even if the stock maintains its its price, you're still winning, all right? Versus, uh, uh, you know, if inflation goes up 2% a year, bonds tend to, you know, they don't like that. <laughs> you know, uh, bond traders tend to be, Uh, They drink like 10 cups of coffee, smoke cigarettes and be, you know, wired. Okay, that's where they are. They're looking for bad news. Bad news is good news in the bond market. Good news is not good news here. So anyway, we we do have uh, a lot of people uh, uh, asking questions. And I've got lots of ideas in um, in the bond area that would make sense or in the dividend area uh, for you people out there. And if you'd, if you'd like to get together, like I said, give me a call. I'll go to WHK 1420. Uh, go down to local podcast. Go down to Smart Investor Show, Tim Hayes, and just uh, contact me, email me, or call me. <laughs> I answer the phone. You know, I, I, like a couple of weeks ago, I, I talked about uh, semiconductors. And I said, you know, we got to launch these things. And, and look, I think the long-term trend for semis remains up. Uh, but I am seeing some of the ETFs, uh, and, you know, some of the stocks come under some, uh, selling pressure, uh, and underperforming the broader market in the last couple of weeks. So, uh, you know, we, uh, Rob Schleimer was particularly, uh, you know, uh, wary of that, I guess. Uh, but if you look, you know, the, uh, if you took it to like, look at, look at, at the SMH, uh, you know it it peaked back in uh february then peaked it just made a barely a new high just back in the first week of april and now it's made a, a lower high so i think you got to watch this uh pretty closely um you know it's at its 50 day moving average and uh the 200 is probably pretty good support around 207 uh and it's at 240 now so i think you know it's just something that you should pay attention to because they've been leading the, the market okay so uh I will say this, you know, I I was looking at large cap technology and uh, I'm looking at about 10, 10, 15 stocks. And, you know, they're not going up. But they're not going down. They're in a trading range. So, uh, you know, the market is going up without these stocks. I mean, Microsoft just got killed after its earnings. Uh, Apple, you know, had I was funny because Apple almost doubled on crappy earnings and then you know they have probably the best quarter i've ever seen <laughs> they did 12 billion they did more revenue than like all the s&p 500 you know below it uh in one quarter had you know sterling numbers for ipads for you know for uh Macintoshes, you know the whole kit and and they went they didn't go up but they didn't go down okay so it's interesting. Uh, now, we had a couple of those names, you know, pop up. Uh, and, you know, I mentioned uh, that I had one that I was really. Uh, I liked and, and and a couple of them broke out. But for the most part, uh, the, of these 10 stocks, I had two break out and the other ones just go sideways. So it'll be interesting to see uh, if, you know, indeed, we're, um, you know, going to have these things pick up. But look. Uh, one of the things that you know I've looked at, and I and I I tell people this that I I kind of bought these stocks occasionally. If if you look at May and June, everybody says you know sell in May and go away and all that stuff. But one of the things that I always said, and and, and I've got some you know good uh, uh, you know documentation for this is that the financials do really well in May and June. I don't know why I I just but. And, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to qualify that. It's not all banks that do well. It's financials in general. So, uh, you know, that's kind of interesting. The other thing is, uh, you know, everybody says sell and man go away. And I tell you, I've had some of them, The summer has been some of my biggest winners. And I don't know why it is, but uh, maybe it's uh, more they're more identifiable, you know, because the, everybody's on vacation or everybody's at the beach. but um, you know, look, if you would have gone away in May last year, uh, you would have lost a big boom. And then and then, you know, as soon as the elections hit, you know, uh, we had that sell off right before the elections and then phew, we took off, you know. Uh, so I, I think, you you know, you know look, you got to be smart about anything. And, you know, selling in May and going away is not really the the best idea I've ever heard of. So, uh, look, I, I, I think uh, the trend remains intact. You know, we're still in an uptrend. Like I said, small caps—they're—they're—they started to reverse their their March-April relative down downtrend, which is very positive. Meaning the relative strength is picking up against the S and P 500. Uh, the commodity trends are accelerating. There's one that just broke out of a major base, and I've been buying some of. And I think you know that's an area where I think you know, uh, as long as the Fed's stepping back, you know, you, you've got to be paying attention now. I think the risks are, uh, if you look at the sentiment as measured by the American Association of Individual Investors, we're up there pretty high. Now, it did drop pretty, you know, on Friday uh, when they uh, or Thursday night, and it, it comes out Friday. You know, it had been up in the 56 area, dropped down to 42. So people get bearish again, which is, just, you know, that's a contrary indicator. That's what you want. OK, so. I think also that that the S and P surge from the the low here, uh, you know, we don't have any evidence of reversal. We just have the bullish percent, you know, up there at seventy. It wouldn't reverse down till sixty. So I'm, you know, uh, we'll see what happens. You know, I guess it's. Uh, but I was looking, you know, the weekly, uh, the S and P five hundred weekly momentum continues to flip flop above the zero axis area. You know, so it, when it gets overbought, it's it's over zero. When it gets oversold, it's below zero. So we haven't, you know, we haven't started down yet. And if you look at the relative performance versus bonds, it, you know, you don't, you don't want to be in bonds. <laughs> and, you know, the daily quadrant balance indicator is bottoming, but the weekly is, is kind of overspot. And, uh, you know, then I looked at the, you know, the, the real big thing I think is that the Russell two thousand had been outperforming everything, and then it got, hit, you know, the relative performance went down against the SP and p 500. But that breakout, I think, is important. The other thing that worries me a little bit is, you know, what we always talked about, the Citigroup uh, Economic Surprise Index. And, you know, back in – at the bottom, I was saying, you know, that's at, at a low, okay? And now, you know, I mean, it's above where it's been for, you know, the last 10 years. So people are expecting a lot, and that's usually when you you're going to get you know you got to be careful okay. So with the with the bulls, you know, usually are 38 percent. They moved down to 42, but they were at 56. So we'll see what happens. It usually pretends things, but growth versus value, uh, large cap growth is is now flatlining with value. So that's interesting. Uh, small cap and mid cap are still well below where they were, um, and you know a lot of people are talking about the 10 year yield uh you know it, it didn't pull back much so it'll be interesting to see uh you know if the relative strength turns back up but it, you know it it pulled back a little bit you know i, I think it went up to uh 160 and then it's uh, at 159 then pulled back up to 162 so we are we're not seeing that pullback, and we're definitely not seeing oil pullback. Although it's at a period of resistance, I think that 66 area for uh, oil is is you know you know pretty key resistance. But if you break through there, I mean, you could be going to 70, 80 on oil, uh, and that that that's more politics than anything. Which you know, so you're going to pay more for gasoline whether you like it or not. And I think that's just what you know. When a party wins all three houses, uh, you know they get to sit the president and. Uh, you know, we're going to learn parliamentary uh, the government <laughs> the hard way. So, but I do think with with, uh, with oil, you know, 66 would be a breakout, 57 would be a breakdown. So, uh, you know, and this is Tim Hayes talking, you know, and, and with a little help from Rob Schleimer and a couple other people. Uh, gold's getting interesting because it looks like uh, it's made a little bit of a double bottom for us. Um, so something to pay attention to. I am seeing, you know, I, corn went crazy. You know, I don't know if you guys saw this, but copper futures look like they're they're closing in on the 2011 high. Uh, corn went crazy this week. Wheat looks interesting. Uh, so, we're, you know, the commodities are going nuts, and the Fed's letting them. Now, I would also suggest, look, I I don't think, you know, everybody was hot on the green, green stocks. Okay, you know, the solar stocks, uh, you know. Uh, Anything that had to do with green and whatever, then they beat them up. Some of these things down at 30, 40, 50%. The, uh, the hydrogen stocks are down 30, 40%. I don't think they're going away. You know, buy low, sell high. Hey, let's take a break. We'll be right back with the bullish percent. Stay tuned. This is the Smart Investor Show. If you have a question, 216 901 0945. That's 216 901 0945. Okay, we're back. Uh, If you just tuned in, this is the Smart Investor Show. And, uh, you know, uh, it it was interesting this week. You know, the Fed Reserve uh, held its view of monetary policy pretty loose. Uh, Look, they're hoping to continue to support the rebound in the U.S. economy, which has been one of the strongest moves out of a bottom I've ever seen Uh, with the amount of monetary and fiscal policy that we've used. I can't understand it. But look, one of the goals of the Fed is to push for higher inflation, and and why? Well, if you look at the Commodity Research Bureau index from 2008 to the bottom last year, it was an 81 81% percent correction, 81.5 percent correction. That you know, so if you were in commodities and you weren't short, you're probably out of money right now. Okay, especially if you're using leverage, which most commodity traders do. But now he's saying, hey, we need inflation to get going. And he may be right, but you know, if if we do have commodity inflation, that doesn't bode well for the U.S. dollar, because that's how you buy commodities. So you you know, do they want a falling U.S. dollar? Well, when he began, when after Wednesday's meeting, when he began to speak, the dollar was at ninety two point five. By the end of the week, it was at ninety one. Okay, and ninety one. And ninety two and a half to ninety one is a big move down, and it's still below its its uptrend line. So that's something to think about. Now, look, uh, where the bullish percent is was up three and a half percent for the week. It's at seventy, uh, so it's you know it's at the, it's in the red zone. Won't reverse down until it was, we hit sixty four. But we are making a series of lower highs on it. So not sure what that means, but uh, we're, we have a we have flat lows. And we've hit sixty like. Five times in in the first quarter which i've never seen before but we you know we started at 80 then we went to 78 76 74 and and you know we haven't topped 72 yet so we'll see what happens uh the but it's in a column of x's so we still have the offensive team on the on the field i think you want to wait for your stock to come back here not to go chase it the -the over-the-counter index is interesting because it popped into a, a column of x's this week up four to 55 so uh you know, it's there. Uh, it's in a column of X's. Um, and I think uh, the world index uh, is also is up 1.2% in, this in the column of X's. Those are interesting places to buy things in the 50s, okay? So it, we, we didn't witness any major changes with the exception of the over-the-counter index. And the high-low indicators, number of no, new highs, nurses, new lows, all fell back into O's. So for the, you know, the the major indexes the new york stock exchange the over the counter uh they were at 68 and uh so but the new york stock exchange one held steady at 94% so they're st- they're staying with the big stocks all right uh and it seems when i say the big stocks it's the bottom end of the s&p 500 remember that's a capitalization weighted index but it's the bottom end the bottom 300 stocks that are holding the thing up which is interesting because a lot of the bigger names aren't hitting new highs. So it, uh, we'll see what happens there. You know, I, I was looking at the, the dynamic asset level investing and I look well, I, first of all, you know, we broke a double top this week for the S&P 500 index uh, at 4,200, I believe. And uh, we, we moved on from there a little bit and then, but it continues to push to new highs and uh, you know, the index is doing so with, pretty broad participation in that index. Now, uh, you know, the measures, number of stocks in that index that are on a buy signal is currently at 84%. So a lot of the stocks going up. But the energy sector is the best. The financials are next. I think financials just took over the lead, by the way, in the dynamic asset level investing and real estate and industrials, materials, then communication services. So interesting technology is just barely in double digits. But that and healthcare, which had been leading the way, was barely in double. It isn't in double digits. <laughs> and and a couple things this week that happened, I think, it's interesting. The emerging markets went to positive weekly momentum for the first time in like 14 weeks, and the Dow went to negative momentum for the first time in nine weeks. So, a couple reversals there. And the XLG and the SPY are still positive, uh, but the uh, the QQQs were positive for four weeks, so they've been positive for a pretty long time. The small caps have now been negative for seven weeks, but they are starting to turn a little bit on a relative strength basis. So that's interesting. Um, you know, but it, you know, if I look at the mid cap index, it's hit. You know, broke a double top this week at two seventy. Uh, I'm looking at the IJH, by the way. So uh, you know, and that's a positive development. So um, the, the small caps had been the number one place to be up until uh, this last week, but. It's, you know, it's it's an interesting scenario. I did notice once again that we only have seven sectors that are favored, and most of, all but one of those are above 70, all right? So, you know, you want to stay in the favored sectors, but you don't want to buy them above 70. You want to wait for them to pull back. But at, at 84 are savings and loans and banks. Uh, now, that means they can still, they can stay up and they can still go higher. It's just, I don't know if they're a great buy at that point. At 74 are forest and paper products, insurance and building, and then uh, textiles at 70. So uh, there's only one that's below 70, and then it's at 60, which is not a bad place to buy stuff, is steel. Uh, And we do have two below 30, and that's drugs and biotech. Uh, You know, I guess they they don't don't, uh, really... Care if uh, we just solved the, one of the greatest crises, <laughs> and the drug companies did it. Uh, so, but most of the biotechs and, and the uh, and the drug companies have been weak um, over the last weeks. Uh, so it's it'd be interesting to see if they turn up again, uh, you know, coming going forward. I didn't have very many changes. Uh, I guess the only thing that uh, you know chemicals, which have been very positive, uh, they went to unfavored status this week. And then if I looked at um, the international equities, uh, they, they've remained relatively consistent from a relative strength view. Uh, you know, the EEM, although it didn't have positive momentum, it didn't go down either. So it was a time correction for 14 weeks. Uh, but if I looked at the relative strength ratings, it would be Taiwan, Korea, the Netherlands, Sweden, and then India and South Africa. Uh Those are the top six on the relative strength basis. So uh, you know you're that's well if you're going to be in the foreign markets, those are the places I'd stay. Um, You know, the Fed left interest rates unchanged, and that was widely expected. And after giving his first sell signal, the ten-year Treasury, the TNX, reversed up uh, and and crossed 160 again. So uh, you know, and then I looked at the uh, the the ten-year. I mean the um, the thirty-year, and it now sits one box away from returning to a buy signal. That means that we think it's, you know that interest rates are going up. Okay, so what we're looking at is the interest rate, not the bond. When interest rates go up, bonds go down. So uh, the the ten-year the ten-year did it reached one sixty-five this week, and uh, so there, it wasn't much of a correction. That's what I'm trying to tell you, and the thirty-year is one X away from turning back up. So it'll be interesting. So I. Look, I'm, I'm going to say this for the thousandth time. If I was looking at bonds, convertible bonds would be my favorite, uh, still. Municipal bonds uh, in the high yield area, but you got to be careful with those, okay? Then corporate bond high yield. And remember, these are all stock surrogates, okay? Um, and then floating rates. You know, these are rates that that either go up or down based on, uh, you know, what happens over the next sixty days, okay? So. Floating rates. If interest rates are going to pick back up, that's a good place to be. Now, you know, crude oil's been negative for seven weeks now. The momentum, yet it's not going down. That could be very positive when it turns. And gold's been sneaking up, made a little bit of a double bottom, in the, and and has been positive for five weeks. Copper, which has been negative for five weeks, just turned positive. And corns go absolutely ballistic, and the and the momentum went straight up. So, uh, you know, copper's a really interesting scenario cuz production in Peru is is back to where it was back in 2 I don't know uh, I think it was 2019 so <clears throat> it'll be interesting to see uh you know if they start to up production if they you know cuz that's what happens with commodities you know commodities is demand and supply until technology or production picks up so that's something to think about but uh, you know if you look at the we- weekly distribution of copper uh you know, it, it, that's important. Mr. Copper is a very important time. Uh You know, um, 11 months of positive monthly momentum for Copper. It's only happened uh, 2016, 2010, 2006, 2004, and 1994. So it gives you uh, an idea. Uh, <clears throat> now, we always talk about relative strength. And, you know, relative strength is a measure of how a stock is performing when compared to something else. Now, in this case, it's the equal weighted index of the S&P 500. And quite frankly, I haven't been noticing as many buy signals as I have sell signals here. So that's something to uh, think about. Um, But the buys, and these are names you should be writing down uh, simply because of the fact that they might be good ideas. Um, You know, I'm not giving you the fundamentals. I'm just giving you a purely technical viewpoint. Uh, Gerdau, S-A, that's a Brazil uh, ADR, it's basic resources. Manpower, uh, Microvision, which is for not the faint of heart, uh, True Blue, Novacare. Uh, those are the ones in the buys. On the sell side, we have uh, Banco Colombia, Audacity, Merck, The New York Times, Navios Maritime Holdings, Meridian Biosciences, Park City Group, Marathon Digital Holdings, and Kimberly Clark, which uh, Kimberly Clark had some problems because I think everybody bought all the toilet paper they could last March and April and uh, the rest came through. You know, I, I have a email here uh, from Clark and Clark asked me about uh, target funds. So, you know, the uh, target funds are, are an easy way to put money away, but they're not always, I mean, unfortunately, sometimes they have to change the targets due to, Wild, you know, moves in the markets. Like for last spring, they had to put more into equities versus bonds. Okay, so the targets sometimes change, and uh, you know, look, these things are only as good as the uh, the people behind them and what they're predicting. Okay, and it's very difficult to predict the stock market. You know, if the stock market was just a gentle move up, it'd be easy. But unfortunately, you know, we have potholes. And sometimes bridges go out <laughs> and it's not only potholes, but it's it's a major crevice that you have to walk down and come back up. OK, so the problem that that would be my uh, only. You know, criticism of the target date funds, uh, if you are thinking just put your money away and forget about it, usually, you know, it's not the greatest of ideas. All right. So just keep that in mind. Uh, I, I would say, well, I'm not going to go there. I'll just leave it at. Hey, let's take a break, and we'll be right back with insiders, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, uh, Rob Schleimer's stuff. Okay, we'll be right back. <laughs> we're back little Fleetwood Mac to get, get us started in the last segment here so uh, look uh, Clark just emailed me again and he just uh, he asked uh, you know are you totally against target funds I said no I am not totally against target funds I just think sometimes they have to change their target and change their asset allocation and that's something you got to understand going into it so what I'm doing is I'm pointing out the bad side. The good side is you do have an asset allocation model uh, that's set towards your retirement, okay now, my humble opinion uh you know I haven't had a lot of bonds in my portfolio other than uh convertible bonds all right and the reason I have't is because i weary I'm weary of what the Fed's doing. you know Mr. Powell went from me and Mr. you know I'm gonna be really tight. To all of a sudden, he, he wants inflation again, and you know the problem with inflation once it gets started, uh, it doesn't go away very easy. Okay, they could it takes a while, and uh, it, it it could be a very tough uh, scenario if it does. Okay, now <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> I always talk about insiders, and uh, you know one of the things I, I will say is that insiders right now are doing a lot more selling than they are buying okay, and that that worries me a little bit, but I gotta throw it out there for all you people, just so you understand that they're selling you know normally it's six to one, it's seven and a half, eight to one now, okay, so it's something to keep in mind now, but there are buyers out there, no insiders are early most of the time, not all the time, but they're early, and you know they know the company better than we do, so uh there's a couple names today that really kind of sparked my interest. Rain Therapeutics. Uh, now, Aaron Davis, if you don't know who he is, he's a pretty smart guy. Uh, and Boxer Capital on April 27th bought a ton of this stock. Okay, I mean 17.5 million dollars each. But and then the uh, Commerant Asset Management uh, they bought 7.7 million dollars worth the stock uh, on the 27th. But Mr. Davis and Boxer Capital also bought $2.5 million on the 23rd. So this is a new issue. It's called Rain Therapeutics. Uh, then we saw some other people. Uh, we saw Bert, uh, Franklin Berger. He bought $2 million worth of it. Uh, and then we had uh, one other. Uh, and, uh, and then we have another gentleman who bought $250,000 worth. Okay. So, uh, Rain Therapeutics, I, I looked into what they were doing. They, they, came, they came public and they immediately went shot to 22 and then pulled back to 16. And that's when all these buys occurred. So there we go. Now, we, we've talked about this one before. Matt Callie, you know, at a pretty much new high. And Akiva Cats bought uh, $3.2 million worth of the stock. And, you know, this is in the REIT area. And, you know, REITs, like I said, you always buy yield when they're down. REITs are kind of at the bottom end up until the last two weeks anyway, have been in the bottom end of the dynamic asset level investing on a relative strength basis is what I'm saying. They have not been outperforming until the last couple of weeks. They're up about 10 15%. So here we have them buying at a new high. Now, you know, real estate investment trusts, remember, they got to pay out 80% of their cash flow to you as a dividend to qualify as a REIT. Uh, in some cases, it's 90%, so we'll see what happens. Also, this is one that's interesting. Chipotle Mexican Grill has pulled back; uh, it was, you know, fifteen fifty. I think it's in the fourteen ninety area now. And uh, Matt Carey, who's been on the board forever, uh, bought a million dollars worth of the stock. So that's kind of interesting. And here's here's something that I think is basically a pandemic play. Uh, it's called Swim. It's the the Latham Group, and they're, they they qualify themselves under the building products and equipment. But what they are is swimming pools and stuff like that. And there was a ton of people who bought them. So uh we had James Klein, who's a director, he bought a million dollars worth. Uh then we had Bob uh Evans, who's a director, he bought half a million dollars worth. Uh then we had uh Scott Rajeski, he's the chief executive officer, he bought uh two hundred and eighty-five thousand dollars worth, and then with the chief marketing officer, bought another two hundred and twenty. Uh and then Mark uh Borshev, he's the chief financial officer, bought one hundred and twenty-one thousand dollars, one hundred ninety thousand dollars. I'm sorry, worth of the stock. So, you know, multiple buyers. Uh, then we have another multiple buyer, and this is pretty smart money, and it's it's called Anaptis Bio, uh, Capital, um, which, and Ecor Capital, which this is smart money Boxer Capital. There, you know, those these smart money bought two point four million dollars worth of stock, and I believe they own almost seven million shares total now. So there we go. Uh, and then uh, the two days later, they bought another eight hundred thousand dollars worth of stock. So that's kind of interesting. Then uh, two days be- after that, uh, before that, they bought three hundred thirty thousand dollars of the stock. So you like to see him come, keep coming. <laughs> uh, and then uh, we had a couple uh, Associated Bank Corp, uh, Regional Bank. We had uh, uh, John Bergstrom, who's been a director for a long, long time. He bought some. We had several banks. Uh, we had the Bank of California. Uh, we had a buyer of half a million. Uh, and then, you know, our friend at Greenbrier, uh, Bill Furman, the chairman and CEO who bought a million million two uh, last week, bought another half a million dollars worth of stock. Uh, so there we go. And then uh, HCHC, which is a telecom holdings, a little $4 stock. Uh, we had a gentleman by the Afram Glazer who bought several million dollars with stock, but another $433,000 with the stock. So uh, multiple insider buys uh, there. And those are the things you want to look for. Okay. Um, The, you know, these these guys know what's going on. Uh, Now, are they always right or do they always execute? No, but they're, they're right more than the analysts are right. Just remember that. Uh, So if you can get the analyst saying, yes, you get, and if you want to get the best analyst in, yes, you get the insiders buying and the tech technicals go to work. Boy, you probably got a pretty good idea. All right. So, like I said, I, I you know, if I was looking at things, I would just say, hey, this uptrend is is been significant. It's been one of the most significant I can remember, especially since November. You know, since November, uh, we we have just made a huge move in the market. So it'll be interesting to see if. um you know, we can get this to continue, but we are at the top end of the trend line. So you'd you'd like to see some, just some, you know, maybe some backing and filing a little bit, or maybe a sideways movement for a short period of time. Uh, I do think, you know, uh, one of the things that Bob, I mean, uh, Rob Schleimer, our head technician now, uh, who came over from from Fundstrat, uh, he always talks about the 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 quad, daily quadrant balance indicator the weekly quad, quadrant balance balance indicator, and it, you know it's it's just a, um, it's a momentum indicator, and the daily one is down pretty far, so I mean it could pick back up and go higher. Uh, and I I also think that you know I I was pretty happy to see the Russell two thousand break a, above uh, some resistance just recently, and also the relative performance breakout. Uh, you you know, if the small caps lead, that's the best kind of bull market as far as I'm concerned. With the financials going the way they are, usually they drag the, the small cap stocks with it because why? The spreads are opening up. They're lending money. Now, one of the things that worried me a little bit this week uh, was, was the fact that we had a, uh, a couple things go on as far as the banking uh, business is concerned that I didn't like, and I'm not going to go into great detail of these because you probably wouldn't understand them if I did. But, you know, uh, if you look at the loan versus, or, or you look at deposits versus loans, uh, it dropped to 50%, and, and that, you know, that usually is a problem, okay? So I, I think we have to really start to look at the 10-year treasury here. Now, the 10-year treasury is the yield. Breaks out to a new high, then I think we're going to that 2.19 percent that I talked about ad nauseum uh, before you know this this little pullback started. So we'll see what happens. And I think with the the relative strength it is kind of a neutral area, <clears throat> not oversold, not overbought. So it'll be interesting to see which direction it goes. Okay, um, for the ten-year yield, All right. And I, I just think that uh, you know if we if we start to, to break out with the bonds, uh I I think there'll be some havoc <laughs> uh being created in, in the stock market. And it'll be interesting to see whether it's the, the what we call the uh high beta stocks, which are now the 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 you know the basic materials, the airlines, you know, the the epicenter stocks that we talked about last summer, okay? <clears throat> uh so – and and then it would also be interesting to see what happens to the dollar because if interest rates go up, the dollar should rally because that's, you know, that's how you base your currency on, what your interest rates are doing. Now, if they go to 10 percent, uh, then the dollar will probably implode eventually. But, I mean, if they just go up gradually, the dollar should rally with it, okay? So that would be a very important uh, scenario. So what would I be doing? Right now, I'd be – I'd go to whk fourteen twenty. Go down to local podcast, down to Smart Investor Show, and go to Tim Hayes's webpage. And on that webpage, you can. Uh, we have several things. Like I said, we have our life sciences and the real estate market. That's available, but we also have our dividend growth portfolios, our prime in- income list. ADRs are getting interesting. You know, officially Europe's in a, in a recession, and people say, "Why do you? Why are you looking at it now?" Because the recessions are usually the bottom, <laughs> all right? So that's why you want to be looking at them. Uh, you want to pay attention. We also have our top ideas. Our multi-cap portfolio has done extremely well. That's large cap, mid cap, and small cap ideas. We have our small cap list. We just added an oil stock on there. It looks really, really good. Uh, but if you go to my webpage, soon Rob Schleimer will be on the technical analysis, Uh He'll, he'll praise Bob Dickey. I, I think it's going to happen in the next week or so. I thought it was going to happen already. I apologize. But go into insights. There's two new articles there that are dynamite, absolutely dynamite. And I think you'll like them. So uh, it, I think it's very positive small caps are turning around. But bullish percents at 70, so keep, you know, keep looking over your shoulder. <laughs> in the meantime, have a great weekend. Uh, I'm going golfing, and uh, – in the meantime, remember, this is the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Don't forget to buy low and sell high.
1: Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, RBCWMFA. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.